not get to see this time uh, or perhaps people we have lost this year. So this time of year can cause a lot of stress and anxiety. So I want to share a concept today that hopefully will help us cope with this time of year. And it's simply the concept that, James, if I can have slide priority. There you go. Um, that the opposite of stress is kindness. The opposite of stress is kindness. Now, this is interesting because we often think that the opposite of stress is peace or relaxation. You know, time at the beach where nothing to do. But physiologically, the opposite of stress is kindness, uh, according to Dr. David Hamilton, who is the author of The Five Side Effects of Kindness. And he explains how physiologically participating in and even witnessing, they have found, acts of kindness produces oxytocin, which is the hormone that lowers blood pressure and cortisol levels. And so stress raises blood pressure, oxytocin um, lowers blood pressure. Being kind also boosts serotonin and dopamine, the neurotransmitters in our brain that gives us that feeling of satisfaction and well-being. And individuals who experience social anxiety when they um, did this research, when they participate in acts of kindness consistently, their levels of social anxiety decrease so that they could participate um, in, in group activities. Also, your body produces endorphins, which is your body's natural painkiller, when you do acts of kindness. So science validates this verse found in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17, that your kindness will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Now, you might be thinking, kindness doesn't always pay. In fact, you might have been told at some point that nice guys don't win and that kind people don't have what it takes to be successful, that they just don't have the drive, right, that ruthless cutthroat, you know, ambition to, to make it. But is this really true? Last week, there was a BBC article by author and radio presenter Claudia Hammond, um, article called Does Kindness Get in the Way of Success? And in the article, she listed Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, and Gareth Southgate, English men's soccer team manager, for those of you following the World Cup, um, as examples of successful leaders who actually put kindness at the heart of their strategies for success. And what they found um, through different studies, in 2021, the University of Sussex uh, did the biggest study of its kind on, on public attitudes towards kindness, where they surveyed more than 60,000 people from 144 countries. And they, they called this the kindness test. And the results were shared this year in March. And what they found was that kindness actually nurtured success. They found that respondents who had kind bosses were more likely to stay an extra year in their uh, jobs, that their team produced outstanding work, and that the company was doing well financially. And so kind bosses, more productive, uh, more loyal uh, staff. If you've watched the Emmy-winning Apple TV show Ted Lasso, you've seen how unusual it is for kindness to be celebrated. That is not a sign of weakness, as many people think, but that it's a powerful trait that can transform a community. And this counter-cultural view of kindness is what Jesus taught over 2,000 years ago. In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and onwards, Jesus said, But to those of you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. 
Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one week, one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. He continued, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you'll be children of the Most High. Because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And two more verses. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says, kindness pays. Not in the short term. In the short term, it hurts. In the short term, you get slapped on both cheeks. You get your coat and your shirt taken, right? In the short term, it doesn't pay. But in the long term, Jesus says, with the measure you give, it will be given back. And then some, right? I love that image of how God says the reward that you get is pressed down, right? Shaken together more, shaken together more, and then poured out abundantly into your lap. Because the reward for giving and the reward for being kind, the reward for forgiving, Jesus says, is that you become children of God. Children of God. There's something that identifies us as being followers, as being family of God, and it is that we show kindness to others the way that God shows it. Notice that it says God's kindness is for the wicked and the ungrateful right and so when god asks us to be kind he says of course you're going to be kind to the people you love right of course you're going to be kind to the people who are kind to you he says that that's like everybody else he says but i want you to be different from everyone else in that i want you to be kind to those who are unkind to forgive those who don't deserve it to give to those who cannot give back When we choose kindness over judgment, grace over gossip, generosity over greed, and forgiveness over bitterness, we are choosing to be children of God. And we are choosing to believe that God's way is the best way. Now, this is a hard choice. I know, right? It's a struggle every day to choose kindness instead of that perfect remark <laughs> and to choose kindness instead of keeping tabs like no it's your turn to load the dishes right and it's it's hard to choose kindness when you're tired and you're grumpy and i just you know i remember on i think it was on monday which was the day before we were flying back from thailand and we 
it was, you know, hot and humid outside and we're walking and we're trying to find food and the kids are walking with us. And everyone's tired and grumpy because we had stayed up, you know, later than usual the night before because the wedding. And we're all like, you know, have that morning after kind of grumpiness, you know, from, from being tired. And, um, I just, and Mike had a headache and by the, by within like an hour, we're all like, ah, we just, we're all like, we've all said things to each other that we didn't, we regretted. And we ended up finding um, like a shopping center where that was air conditioned and then just sitting on the couch and then they kicked us out. <laughs> they did come and kick us out. But anyways, you know, it's, it's when, when you're tired or when you're stressed or when you're um, having a hard time, it, it is hard to be kind, right? Because you don't have um, enough in yourself to be able to give. You're empty. And when we are in that moment, going with the flow of how we feel and, and, and how um, the habits of how it's always been, it's difficult in that moment to actually say, oh, wait, I'm going to choose kindness. But God says, I guarantee that if you choose kindness, right? I guarantee that if you choose my way, you are going to get the reward that you're actually looking for. Yes, it might not be immediate. People will not appreciate you, right? You are not going to get the thanks or the uh, respect or, you know, kindness returned straight away. But God says, wait and see. And it's it's amazing how just even, even when I'm grumpy with the kids and if I choose in the middle of the grumpiness to just take one of them in and give them a cuddle or to say a joke and they laugh and it's immediately right the whole atmosphere changes you know the the way the family dynamics changes but it's that conscious deliberate choice to choose kindness in the study by the university of sussex they looked at what are the barriers and the challenges to kindness and they discovered that the respondents said that the most common barrier to kindness was first of all concern of being misinterpreted 60, oh, nearly 66% said, what if they don't want our help? What if they think, you know, what if, what if I offer, but they think I'm being like proud or officious or, you know, in their business and, or what if, what if, um, you know, you, something simple as opening the door for someone, what if I open the door for someone and they're like, I can open my own door, right? And so there's this fear of being misinterpreted that keep people from being kind. Of course, not having enough time, right? You know someone needs your help, but you're like, so busy, can't help. Ease of social media, that's interesting, isn't it? The idea that um, on social media, we can be very unkind. Not having opportunity, interesting, 42%, or kindness being seen as a weakness. People hesitating to help for these reasons. It's interesting, the first, the overwhelming kind of response of the fear of being misinterpreted or misunderstood. It's interesting because when the same survey looked at when you receive kindness, how do you feel? And 99.9% of the respondents said that when someone helped them, they felt grateful, happy, and relieved. So 99.9% of people who receive kindness are happy to receive kindness, but 66% are scared to show kindness in, in case it gets misinterpreted. So just think about that for a sec. 
a lot of times our fears are actually based on lies, lies that keep us disconnected. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, if you hold to my teachings, you are my, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the truth is most people, right? 99.9% .9 of people who receive acts of kindness really appreciate it. And we don't have to be so afraid of offering help, of being kind, uh, for fear of, of misinterpretation. There's only a 1% chance that, yes, they will not like it. But 99 point, no, sorry, 0.1%, um, that 99.9% .9 of people uh, will appreciate it. The truth is kindness is contagious. Organizational psychologist Michelangelo Vianello um, went to a public hospital in Padua, Italy. And he studied and surveyed um, the nurses there and discovered that if their managers were kind, so in other words, if they stood up for the team, if they, um, you know, took on extra shifts for, for, the, for them, if they were self-sacrificing and, and fair, um, that the nurses were a lot, lot more likely to then be also kind to their patients, right? There's a trickle-down effect. Kindness is contagious. Grumpiness is also contagious. And we saw during the pandemic how the power of kindness uh, provided hope and brought people together and, and had this great sense of community. You know, whether it was applauding the healthcare professionals when they were, you know, shifting, uh, changing shifts or um, people putting up encouraging signs and teddy bears on the windows or neighbors dropping off care packages for each other. Um, I think it was Sharon who got me onto the kindness pandemic which is a Facebook group that was started in March uh, 14, 2020 by Dr. Catherine Barrett. And um, I joined the group, and every day there people post on there small acts of kindness that people have done for them um, or that they've witnessed, and they post these. And it was fantastic. The group, within two weeks, grew to over 550,000 members. And it's still going strong. Every single day, I still get see the posts of people um, and the small acts of kindness that, that they do and how it makes such a big difference and how people pay it forward. So how do we become more kind? Like I said earlier, it's really difficult to be kind if you're empty. And so I think one of the first things we have to realize is we have to be kind to ourselves as well, to be able to have good, healthy boundaries to be able to do some self-care and to be kind and forgive ourselves. I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to kind of beat myself up a lot, right? A lot of mom guilt, right? A lot of, lots of label guilt, right? Every possible role. I'm like, oh, I should have done more or I should have done it differently or I should have, you know, X, Y, Z. But it's really hard to be kind to others if we're, if we're wallowing in our own unkindness towards ourselves. And so I think... Uh, it's important to be able to show kindness to ourselves, just as Jesus said, to do to others as you would want it done to you, and to love others as you love yourself. There has to be um, a level of self-care and self-love and self-kindness um, that has to be there in order for us to be able to be kind to others. But also we become more kind when we remember that how much kindness has been shown to us. By remembering especially God's kindness. Talking about how quick we are to judge others, the author of Romans says in Romans 2 verse 4, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, 
not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. In other words, when we forget how kind God has been to us, right, then we find it difficult to be patient towards others. But when we remember how much grace God has given us, right, how much mercy, how much blessing, how much uh, providence in guiding us through where we are now, and we keep that fresh in our minds, then we are a lot more likely and able then to be kind towards others. First Thessalonians verses five, uh, chapter 5, verse 15 to 18 says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The reason why we uh, why it's emphasized the importance of giving thanks in all circumstances is it's really when we are asking God for help or when we are uh, seeking to help others. It's when we remember God's kindness towards us and we give thanks for that, that from that place of gratitude and our cup being filled, that we are then able to flow unto others. And so that's why Thanksgiving is such an important part of prayer. Um, and when we gather together as a community, it's so important to share with each other um, how God has has been good to us. And and good to us doesn't mean that everything went our way. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes God being good to us is God saying no to things, some of the things we want and doors closing and challenging circumstances. But we still give thanks, trusting that through that process, God is still with us. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, the, the author Paul, who was a first century Christian missionary, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I like how Paul uses this metaphor of putting on the way that you put on clothes in the morning, right? You would never leave the house without putting your clothes on. And so Paul is saying, hey, before you leave your house, put on kindness, put on humility, put on love, put on patience and gentleness, right? Make that deliberate choice, the way that you make a choice in the morning about what you're going to wear. And you know how you, you I don't know about you, but I check the weather app before I put on my clothes to know, is it going to be a Melbourne kind of day where it's going to be like 18 and then 40, you know, or like three and then raining? I mean, who knows, right? And so I have to know what kind of layers or take an umbrella or what. So you check the weather app. And in the same way, right, if you know that today is going to be a tough day, you're going to be seeing some people that it's going to challenge you, right? That's, that's a great day to put on extra deliberate, intentional uh, prayer and, and decision and, and asking God to help you be kind. Right? You need that extra fortitude that day to put on um, kindness, to put on humility. There might be some people who are naturally kind, but for the rest of us, kindness is something that we have to practice, something that we have to exercise like a muscle. It's a conscious choice to become children of God. And so as we go through each day, right, 
we have to, we, it, it doesn't, we can't wait for, um, you know, earlier it said one of the challenges to being kind is 42% said, oh, there's no opportunity. There are, if we're actually looking for it. And so it's about every day making that conscious decision. Today, I'm going to do acts of kindness. I'm going to do kind things for this person. Or I know I'm going to work today and I'm going to be kind to my colleagues. Or um, I'm going to be with my kids today. I'm going to try to be patient with them, right? So it's about that conscious, um, intentional decision and then looking for the opportunities, seeking them out and not just waiting for them to come to us, especially to those who are vulnerable. Have you all heard of ADRA? Do you know what ADRA stands for? ADRA stands for the Adventist Disaster Relief Agency. It's the official humanitarian branch of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And its reach extends to more than 140 countries where they work collaboratively together with others to facilitate development and relief projects. Brief timeline of ADRA. In, ADRA was established in 1956, and it was first called SAWS, um, Seventh-day Adventist Welfare Services. And um, in the early stages, they used to ship relief shipments, you know, with food and clothes and etc., um, so that in the beginning, they were sending them out to 29 countries um, with a total value of about 2.3 million, which is a lot for the 1960s. But by the 1970s, the mission broadened from disaster relief into programs leading to long-term development. So rather than just sending relief things, you know, when disasters happened, they started long-term projects working within the communities. In 1978 is when um, they established office here in Australia. So the Australian branch of ADRA opened up to help people in the South Pacific. 1984 is when the name changed from SAWS to ADRA. 1997, ADRA International was granted general consultative status by the United Nations. And also ADRA Australia in the same year became a signatory to the Australian Council for Overseas Aid. Um, I didn't put all the dates here, um, but from 2001 onwards, ADRA provided funding for over 30 international projects with a total budget of $8.8 million. And um, in the South Pacific, Asia, and Eastern Africa, which is what ADRA Australia oversees. So, for example, this is not on the slide, but in 2011, ADRA Australia raised more than $1 million for the drought and fried food crisis in East Africa. In 2013, ADRA Australia raised uh, almost a million dollars for victims of Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines. 2015, ADRA Australia responded to Cyclone Pam in Vanuatu and the earthquake in Nepal. 2018, ADRA Australia responded to the Indonesian tsunami, as well as the Australian farmers that were affected by the drought. 2019, Australia, ADRA Australia responded to the bushfires um, that you remember those that were here. In fact, um, here in Victoria, the um, director of ADRA Victoria is Rebecca Orient, and she actually spent weeks away from home when the bushfires happened, taking a team of people, and ADRA was, was one of the few um, organizations first on site, ready to go, providing um, aid and food and water and, and, and furniture, et cetera, for the victims of the bushfires. Um, of course, 2020 came, the pandemic, and demand for food relief increased. And in um, 2020, ADRA delivered 162,310 food hampers, and some of you helped with that as well. This year, ADRA Australia responded to the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, um, as well as helping 
um, you know, other the flood victims here in Australia as well. Now I'm a member of the board of directors for um, ADRA Australia, and we had our AGM meeting right before we went to Thailand. And I was so very happy with the report. It was we had two days of, of meetings uh, for other things besides ADRA Australia, but this was one of my favorite part of the meetings <laughs> because it was so nice to hear what they had achieved. And you can read the um, annual report yourself on their website, but here's a few highlights. In 2022, 48 projects in 23 countries were carried out internationally, over $8 million in aid and development. And nationally here in Australia, ADRA ran 93 community projects, including the one that MCAC runs um, in the big markets. Um, and I want to say thank you to the MCAC team who serve on Fridays. I know that Chendin and Naomi and Andrew and Kay and um, Lily and Simon and Melissa and Roy and others uh, and Karen um, go there as well to help out on Fridays. And I know Bron and Zach also help with the Ferntree Gully uh, Community Center as well. Um, and it's because of the volunteers that ADRA is able to help others. I know many of you have also donated to ADRA and I want to thank you for your generosity in sustaining this fantastic program. Did you know that when you donate to ADRA Australia, 88% of every dollar goes towards the actual projects themselves. 2% goes to community education, 4% to fundraising, and 6% to accountability and admin costs. And that's actually really good. So by comparison, World Vision, which is another fantastic organization, they spend 8.4% on admin and 7.8% on fundraising. And so ADRA Australia actually 88% um, goes directly to the projects. This Christmas, I would like you to consider donating to ADRA instead of buying more things for people who already have too much. Um, on their website, they have a Christmas gift catalog where you can donate to a particular project, um, or you can simply donate and, and you know, say this can go to where it's most needed. Or perhaps this Christmas, you can do something more personal by volunteering at one of the 93 ADRA community centers in Australia. Um, there's several around here as well. Or maybe you can do something kind for a colleague or a neighbor or a friend who you know is having a tough time, whether it's financially or emotionally or physically, or just they're a bit lonely this Christmas because um, their friends and family are far away. It may just be the best gift you can give to someone this Christmas. A fitting reminder of the greatest gift of all, that Jesus was born in a manger because of the kindness of an innkeeper who had compassion on Mary and Joseph. And as you reflect on the Christmas story in the weeks to come, and I'm looking forward to next week when we're going to sing carols and, and um, reflect on the story of Christmas, I pray that as we, as we are, you know, in the midst of the busyness of this time, that we don't lose our focus on what Christmas is supposed to be about, um, that it's about God's kindness to us and how we can also pay forward the kindness and to remember that kindness is the antidote to stress. So if you're finding yourself feeling really stressed and anxious, um, perhaps you can find something kind to do for someone else and in so doing, um, generate the spirit of Christmas for others. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the busyness of this time of year, help us to pause and reflect on your goodness. How you sent your son Jesus to be a babe lying in a manger, 
so that we can be redeemed. And how Jesus died for us so that we can have eternal life. And Father, I pray that as we reflect on your goodness and kindness, that we would be inspired to show kindness to others in small and big ways. Whether it's a stranger that we can give up a seat to on public transport, or whether it's someone that we know is um, struggling at this time of year that we can invite to our homes for a meal. Or perhaps it's about volunteering and, and stepping out of our comfort zones to practice kindness to those who are vulnerable and in need. So Father God, I pray that during this Christmas season, as we're thinking about presents and traveling and, and social activities, that we would also prayerfully consider how we can be kind and reflect your character to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.